You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello and welcome to Triviality, the show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Matt and I will be your host today. Uh, joining me in the studio today is Neil, who is fidgeting with some wires. How you doing, Neil? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, took a cue from you and decided to add some Android um, operating systems to my uh, body, so I'm just trying to rewire them right now just okay. to uh, to get things going. Yeah, I've got to save those batteries. It's a long game. Also joining me in the studio is Jeff, who is also fidgeting with these wires. How's it going, Jeff? Pretty well. I mean, it looked so fun. I wanted to get in. What on are it. you trying to do? Well, uh, what we're doing here right now is we're going to take a cue from Bob Vila. Uh, it's going to be called This Old Podcast, <laughs> and uh, what we're doing is trying to make sure we have uh, efficient uh, battery supply to our uh, H6 Zoom here uh, because it was not plugged in. So it could have just shut off at any time. We would not have met our guests, which would be a shame. Who would you like to meet first, our host or our contestant today? Uh, I think we should meet our contestant, uh, someone uh, who's reached out uh, a few times letting us know about his his own pub trivia teams and some of the answers that we've helped him with uh, somehow. I don't know how we've done anything. <laughs> I don't that know was... how we've helped anyone ever. Correct. But uh, I believe it was an answer for Devil's Tower, which holds a special place in my heart. Yes. I always get that one wrong. All right. Joining us from Fort Worth, Texas, he is a cruiserweight uh, at our Patreon level. It is Troy. How you doing, Troy? I'm good. How are you guys doing tonight? So no last name. He's just Troy. Just Troy. The only one. As I said before we started recording, it reminded me of High School Musical when uh, Vanessa Hudgens playing Gabriella goes, Troy! That, yeah. That's all you I need to know. I actually got a really funny story about that. When I was like maybe 10-ish, mm-hmm. there was like a six-year-old girl who had this like I Heart Troy shirt. Oh. And she came over to our house as like this like family gathering, you know, a bunch of families. And everyone started teasing her and they're like, you know, like actual Troy, like right over here. And she was mortified. She yeah. threw on a sweatshirt. She had the sweater on the whole night. She Aww. had to be so hot because everyone was making fun of her. Aww. And uh, I guess that is your daily Neil story for oh, us. Oh, that is my favorite. Story. <laughs> did you swoop in though with uh, with all of her, all your friends and you were in it together and did a dance number? Yeah, I actually threw a bat at her and she caught it and then we like. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, pretty commendable. I feel like you guys definitely know Troy now, uh, so we're we're gonna send that on over to our host today, uh, who wrote a wonderful game. I'm assuming as long as I win, it is, uh, second time on our show. It is Maddie from Omaha, Nebraska. How's it going, Maddie? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Excited to have you back. I'm excited to be back. So last time I was on for the International Women's 
Wednesday episode, which was a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Glad Kenya and I managed to beat the guys on the Women's Day episode. Um, But yeah, I was delighted to be asked back and to even host. So I'm extra excited for for this. Yeah, we appreciate you writing the game. And uh, you were uh, emailing us back and forth uh, saying it was going to be an interesting game, which we're always excited about. Uh, I think there's maybe a little bit heavy on sports, which will be good for Matt. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Troy also is very, very good at sports and and other things that I am not. So I think I'm going to partner with Troy today, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, sounds good. I was going to say we should just do Troy and Gabriella, but and I would be Gabriella, but I don't. <laughs> that's probably too much of a High School Musical three reference for everyone. Yeah. Um, no, we can we can go with that. We can. All we can right. Get our heads in the game. I'll be Vanessa Hudgens. That's fine. Uh, all right. So we'll be Troy and Gabriella. What about uh, what about you two? You know you have to be. I'm not even going to say it. Just what? you pick whatever you want. I don't even know what you were going to go there. I was going to go different characters, but there's no I don't point. know the reference, so so that's nothing there. Oh, you've never seen High School Musical 1, 2, or 3? No. Okay. What? I was I was never a 12-year-old girl, Neil. I'm well, sorry. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I taught children's theater, and uh, oh, we, used to, okay. we used to watch it all the time. I was going to say you guys should be Sharpay and Ryan, the brother-sister uh, you know, duet team. Sure. All right. So you're, you're going to be Ryan and Sharpay. Is Sharpay Obviously. the dog? Nope. That's, uh, that's his sister. So I'm... She has a dog, though. A Sharpay is a dog, though, right? It is a dog. Okay. I'm not confused about it. All right. So Troy, Troy and I are Troy and Gabriella. <laughs> Matt and, and Jeff are Ryan and Sharpay. This episode is called Neil Has Way Too Much Control. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we kick the game off, why don't we learn how it's played? Kick it over to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. Well, with that out of the way, Maddie, why don't you take the game away? All right. So starting with round one, question one. Um, I know you guys are the only ones who can see this, and our listeners will not see it, but I am a proud alumna of University of Notre Dame, so there might be a couple mm. Notre Dame questions. Featured on the Boston Celtics logo and carried by the live mascot of the University of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. What is the name for the stout, knotty stick traditionally made from blackthorn or oak that can be used as a walking stick or perhaps more appropriately for the fighting Irish as a weapon? I don't know how you spell it. But I was going to say spelling notwithstanding. I think we have this one. <laughs> yeah, we're we're locked in. All right. Anything on this one, Troy? No, I have no idea. By introducing me as very good at sports, I feel like uh, <laughs> this one's coming back around. I think the worst part is I've actually met a Notre Dame uh, mascot before while oh. at Notre Dame. and um, Oh, man. He didn't mention this in his introduction. Did he beat you with the stick? No, he, he did pick it up and kind of like threaten me with it for a picture or two. But, I mean, Virginia Tech actually ended up winning that uh, game. Did you have That a, was a few years ago, though. So Did you have a stick when you were the Hawkeye at Iowa? Me? Did I have a stick? Yeah. Did they give you? No, I was all. Have... I was all fists, baby. <laughs> any... <laughs> did they give you any weapons? <laughs> no, no weapons. Just my, just these fisticuffs. So if you guys play Notre Dame, you'd be at a disadvantage. We would. Um, so Troy, the only thing I can think of is it's making me think of that. I know it's not this, but it makes me think of that. Uh, what is that called? Like a blackjack that they used to like in the old movies. You're like, hey, you see, and then they beat you with it or whatever. That's not what it is. Is that what it is? Is that the cop thing? I don't think so. Oh, uh, you're, 
Yeah, a knight's. It's like a nightstick, right? Yeah, no, I'm talking about the thing that looks. It's like uh, it looks like a little piece of leather bound yeah, something. Yeah, blackjack. It's like a small club. Okay, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Troy? Yeah, I have. I have no no jumping point on this one. Hmm. So. Um, you just want to go blackjack because I, I I'm not going to get it. Yeah, let's go ahead and lock in with that. Mm. Okay. Believe it or not, I might know this from wrestling. Uh, there's, there's an Irish wrestler named Fit Finley who loved to fight, and he used to carry around this little stick that he called his shillelagh. And I'm pretty sure it's shillelagh, so we're locked in with them. All right. And team uh, Ryan and Sharpay, who's probably <laughs> going to end up being called Jeff and Matt more often than not, uh, is correct. It is a shillelagh. All right. Wow. Good thing spelling doesn't so, count. He had, a, he had a little son named yeah, Hornswoggle a, who was a little Irish person. Hmm. That was very offensive at the time. And he's still around. Good for him. <laughs> it was offensive at the time. <laughs> it continues to be offensive, <laughs> but also at the time. Maybe we'll just, since you got that first question right, just we'll call you Wildcats because that's the high school. So that way you don't have to worry about it. Okay. We'll change, we'll change our name every question. Got yeah. it. So oh, question two is about food. A French confection made of profiteroles or cream puffs piled into the shape of a cone and covered with thin threads of caramel. What is the name of this dessert often served at weddings, baptisms, and first communions, which, which translates as... Something that crunches in the mouth. Are you okay with that? I don't have anything better. Okay, we're locked in. All right, how are you with French confectionery, <laughs> Troy? Uh, we are not fi- not starting off too hot today, but um, I mean, do you have anything on this one? I have a few guesses. I like. I know it's not. Uh, well, eclairs. You know, they have uh, cream cream in the middle. They're oh. cream puffs. Eating a fair um, share of those in my day. <laughs> the thing that so right when she when Maddie first started asking the question, I was like, "Oh, that's an eclair." But then she said, "Cone shaped with uh, with caramel, which they do not have. I don't believe at least the original kind." And um, and then I started thinking of the difference between uh, macaron and macaroon mm. and, uh, and macron and macron and yes and, and <laughs> Prime Minister Macron Mark Maron. Um, so I think so. The the macaron is the the burger looking thing and then the macaroon is the other version but i don't know if that is what we're looking for how about you your description of all of those three m words that i'll butcher if i attempt to pronounce them is is correct um that i know of at least but i i think but i'm not sure if that is the correct um is the answer to the question if that's the cone cone shaped me too um the cone shaped is what's throwing me off uh i'm just trying to think of like the famous cones. Yeah, I mean, I we used to make desserts in French class um, with Mr. Really? Field. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we made crepes and things like that. I I didn't like uh, vegetables or fruit at the time, mm-hmm. so my crepe was just filled with marshmallow fluff. Wow, delicious. Uh, yeah, I felt sick afterwards, but it was great. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you want to go macaroon? I guess. Yeah, we can do that. We can okay, lock it with that. we'll lock it with that. I'm just I was thinking of something that's popular in the French quarters down in New Orleans and I went with beignet well we did no points I'm afraid so this one this one really depended on you either having an affinity for French desserts or perhaps seeing a BuzzFeed video on Facebook where they build one of these absurd things so pardon my French but this is known as a croque en bouche or a croque en bouche basically a giant tower of little balls with a lot of caramel around it. So you're saying Ken would know that? Perfect. No, Ken would go. He would say a, mo- a mousse bouche. A mousse because <laughs> his sister uh, at her restaurant oh, that's uh, right. is a pastry chef, and she gave him a mousse bouche. 
for the table. Ken's not here, which we didn't mention. Sorry, Ken. Oh, yeah. Ken. Ken isn't here. Actually, that's uh, speaking of the devil. He actually is at a tasting uh, in uh, the Nice Valley of France. French? France. <laughs> French. <laughs> Sorry. That's uh, Neil's new dressing idea. It's French and ranch together. That, it's called French. That definitely exists. I guarantee it. <laughs> he is in the, yeah, he's in the region of French and uh, he's uh, at a tasting menu. So, mm. you know, have fun, Ken. Question three. Geography. This tiny Middle Eastern island nation located in the Persian Gulf is the fourth most densely populated sovereign nation, only trailing the city-states of Monaco, Singapore, and Vatican City. It has an area of only 300 square miles and a population of 1.5 million. Name this country whose capital and largest city is Manama. We are locked in. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, it's I a think, geography question. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, so when I when I hear tiny Middle Eastern island, <clears throat> excuse me, I always think of uh, Bahrain. Mm-hmm. I think that's how to pronounce that one. Um, that's my initial first thought. I'm not 100% on it. I, I know that's a small island in that part of the world. Uh, I, so. I like that. I mean, I that was actually one of the two that I was going to say, and I had no confidence. And so that's either good or bad for us, because if it's, <laughs> it's probably bad if I thought of that as well. But... Um, your confidence makes me feel better about it. So I'm, I'm happy to lock that in. So uh, one of the things I haven't mentioned on the show before is I'm a kind of a fan of Formula One racing. Oh. And uh, one of the Grand Prix they run every year is in Bahrain. So we went with the island of Bahrain. All right. Well done. Both teams correct. It is Bahrain. All right. Yeah, on the board. There you go. Making Yay. Come back. All right. Question four. Sports. In what sport would you hear the following terms be used? Shoot the duck, death spiral, hair cutter, and twizzle. I don't know. That's an off-the-cuff guess. We'll lock in with that. All right. Anything on this one, Troy? No, we are 0 for 2 on the sports questions. I know. I can think of a few things that I think it's not, but... A few things came to mind. Uh, I don't think air air racing is a thing maybe it is like i was thinking of just planes you know like death spiral and hair cutter meaning maybe it like comes really really close to an object you know where theoretically it could cut someone's hair um but uh another sport i thought of um the spiral aspect of it and then shoot the duck i don't know if this i could be way off here but you know in badminton it's a game um a shuttlecock and i don't know if, if they're equating like shuttlecock is meaning bird and then the duck is a bird so you're like shooting the bird or the hair cutter or i don't know um death spiral is just the way that you serve it i'm not sure so hey what do you think about bowling it just kind of came to my mind i mean if it's just one pin you could shoot the duck a death spiral would be one that's spinning but you think it's going to spin out so the suspense is there i really like that i really like that because then hair cutter makes me think that it's cutting like on an angle yeah they're like just like just barely hitting the pin maybe i really like that yeah let's go with bowling i like bowling that's a good guess uh Jeff wrote down badminton, and I remember enjoying badminton in intramural sports. So we said badminton. All right. So, unfortunately, no points being awarded. If you were to know this one, probably the giveaway would be Twizzle. So I don't know how much you guys all enjoy watching the Winter Olympics as much as I do. But if you ever watch any of the figure skating or Mm. ice dancing, the Twizzle is where they turn from one foot to the other. Mm. kind of jaunty like back Ah. and forth so the answer is ice skating or ice dancing i sort of remember the death spiral now 
What is Shoot the Duck? So, so Shoot the Duck is from Wikipedia, a skating position in which the skater travels on one foot with the skating leg bent and the other leg held forward parallel to mm. the ice. I got, this is the I know basic position for a sit spin. Oh, yeah. it looks like that she's they're holding a gun or a machine gun right when they spin with the one leg out, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. So it's basically Squat, they're basically squatting on one leg with the other leg held out and their arms out too. It's ridiculous like, that they can do that on skates. And I they couldn't cannot. do that standing. <laughs> I was say, no way. <laughs> Someone could put me in that position and I would fall right over. <laughs> so question five is TV, specifically 90s nostalgia. Which rebooted Disney cartoon features Danny Pudi of Community fame, Ben Schwartz from Parks and Recreation, and Bobby Moynihan from SNL voicing three brothers with David Tennant as their, their uncle. Oh, well, if he didn't know it before then, I think he knows it now, but Matt and I are a hard lock. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I know this one, Troy. It's uh, it's DuckTales. Woo. If Man, you shooting the duck to DuckTales. Thankfully, you knew that, because I, <laughs> I knew some of those words, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah David Tennant uh, is uh, uh, Scrooge McDuck. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original Scrooge McDuck died, I think, like five or six years ago and he did the voice forever and all the different things uh yeah he had to go somewhere with jacob marley <laughs> yeah something like that yeah we said ducktales i love ducktales all right and the answer is ducktales uh the reboot is very good i was very happy seen it. i was very happy for your your woohoo matt because yes. i have ducktales parentheses woohoo yeah in my in my <laughs> they're peanut butter and jelly I, I never watched the original show but the new show is adorable yeah it is so well done though yeah highly highly recommend it yeah i i I agree and uh the original it actually the animation in the original is amazing if you if you're animation fan just kind of watch some of those old episodes because they're done by one of the like top japanese uh, anime companies so it's good stuff all right so question six so this is music lyrics what 1968 hit features the following lyrics how well i remember the look that was in his eyes, stealing kisses from me on the sly, taking time to make time, telling me that he's all mine. We are locked in. You're locked in? Yeah. I'm having trouble with this one, Troy. Yeah, I don't know either. And what well, we need the song title? Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, I, I'm way off right now. I'm, I'm not getting anywhere near it, but... Um, Maybe like one of the most famous Supreme songs or Aretha Franklin, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you pick one of those, we can, we can lock in with it. Um, it's not respect. I don't think ceiling kisses. So maybe, um, I don't know. Stop in the name of love, I guess. Yeah. That's good with me. All right. It's wrong, but yeah, we're going to lock in with stop <laughs> in the name of love. So this song is about, um, uh, a young man, um, having extramarital relations and it's done exceptionally well in a scene from The Office where Jan is singing it a cappella to her newborn daughter awkwardly. This is Dusty Springfield's Son of a Preacher Man. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, it is Son of a Preacher Man, which is one of my favorite songs, despite literally everything about it. Yeah. <laughs> it, is such, it, it is such a good song. Yeah, don't, Problematic. Don't if, very, if, very problematic. If nobody got that hint. Please, please look that up online. That's very funny. <laughs> All right. Question seven. Science-ish. Created by neurologist Ziad Nasreddin in Montreal, 
1996. This test is used by medical professionals to assess cognitive impairment and is used as a screening tool for diseases including Parkinson's disease and other forms of dementia. It tests multiple cognitive domains, including short-term memory, attention, concentration, and language. What is the four-letter acronym for this test, which you might hear being ordered in your local coffee house? This is tough because uh, I had filmed uh, my uncle's deep brain stimulation surgery, and he has Parkinson's um, for a decent amount of time now. So I know we've talked about this test, I believe, um, several times, and I just I do not know it. Um, We'll lock in, I guess. Unfortunately, we don't know this one for sure. So, yeah, I'm I'm feeling the same way. I I was thinking drip, but skim also mm. works pretty well. Ooh, drip or skim? I like both. Drip, drip, drip. I'll let you pick whichever one you like. I was gonna say, just flip a coin. What are you doing? Are you actually doing this? No, that was okay. The worst it is. Uh, we're, ever seen. we're going drip. I have a coin in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Neil wrote an X on a piece of paper and tried to throw it in the air, and it went nowhere. <laughs> It did go to the opposite side, though. So. Very, very sad. Uh, yeah, we wrote down some things. I wrote down cafe. Uh, I wrote down latte, which is not spelled correctly. Cafe sounds good, but cafe is, there's like an emissions test thing with cafe. So I don't think it's that yeah. one. So we put down the thing that I hate the most, uh, frap, F-R-A-P. So this comes off me mostly having just completed my neurology rotation in which these things are thrown about quite often. So the keywords in there would probably be Montreal and mm-hmm. cognitive. This is the MOCA. Oh. The Montreal Cognitive Assessment. So it was in the news either last year or the year before because this is what Trump boasted that he uh, got like a perfect, mm. the best score that has ever been scored on. Yeah, they invented a new score for me. It's the best score. All right. I have confidence going last three questions of the round. You guys are going to get them. <laughs> I believe in you. Hey, we're doing all right. I'm happy with my score. (laughs) Question eight, world geography. This waterfall, located in South Central Africa on the Zambezi River, is classified as the world's largest waterfall, as it has the largest sheet of falling water, with a height of 354 feet and a width of 5,604 feet. In the native Lozai language, it is known as Mosa Ayatunya, or the smoke that thunders. But what is this waterfall known as in English? There's a lot of waterfalls that we need to know that I feel like that we, we don't know. We the only thing we do know is do it on chase him. <laughs> We're all right there. We're all right there. I was waiting for a better time. <laughs> oh, TLC. Um, you guys are acting like a bunch of scrubs. <laughs> Stop being a creep. All right. Um... Or burn your house down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm having so much trouble on this one. I, I wrote a question. It wasn't this one but about a waterfall. And I remember I did the research on waterfalls. It was, um oh, Angel Angel Falls, which, which is in South America, I think. We're not locked in, but thank you. No, that's fine. Um, uh, if you, I guess you're just giving us wrong yeah, answers. Yeah, I actually, I, I have an inroad on this. So I'd like to talk it out with you, but I, I do have an inroad. Cool. That's better than I have. Jeff, do you have anything besides a text message from your friend that you're responding to? It was my mom. Thanks. Okay. She uh, be your friend. I don't know your relationship. <laughs> uh, this is the only other one I can think of, and there's a lake attached to it. Waterfall Glen. It's beautiful. We're locked in. So my thought was, is does the name of Victoria Falls ring any bells to you? It does. I, I For some reason, I thought Victoria Falls were the Canadian side of Niagara Falls, but I could be way off on that. 
It was five in the morning when we drove past it. Um, we, we got out and then maybe trespassed in the park. <laughs> Although, to be fair, we called the park service and they said they wouldn't stop us. So, was um, the lamest trespassing I ever heard. <laughs> but Victoria Falls, I mean, I, I'm not going to come up with anything else. But if, if, if it's, you know, coming to you for a reason, maybe we should just go with it. I think that's what's going to happen with the current Spice Girls reunion. Hmm. <laughs> Victoria will not be on tour, so she won't fall. I know. Um, no, I meant the it'll the whole thing is going to fall down. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm fine with Victoria Falls if you are. Yeah, I, for some reason that's sticking out in my mind, and that's what I'm thinking. Hey, I trust you. I, I'm not going to come up with anything better. Mm-hmm. So yes, we were we were shooting around Angel Falls, but I think that's in South America. And then I remember Lake Victoria is a pretty good sized lake in Africa, and they named a bunch of stuff after her. So we thought maybe this too was Victoria Falls. All right. Right. Well done to both teams. The answer is Victoria Falls. Nice Nice job. Question nine. More sports. This NBA coach's journey has included stints as the assistant, then head coach of the New York Knicks and head coach of the Houston Rockets. However, to fans of sports brawls, he may be more remembered for his attempt to break up an in-game fight between the Heat's Alonzo Mourning and the Knicks' Larry Johnson during the 1998 and NBA playoffs in which all five nine of this coach clung to morning's leg in an effort to stop the six ten center. Mm, Who is this former coach and current ESPN color commentator for the NBA? That did not go well for him. I love so much that you wrote four different answers before we got to the right one. Yeah. I was hoping this is about someone else. Oh, funny. I know because you're a big fan of that someone else. <laughs> yeah, we're locked in. You're locked in. Yeah. Troy, is this the um Oh, no, I'm thinking of the guy that got choked out by, um, I don't know if it was Meadow. Charles Sprewell. The Charles Sprewell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just want to go Larry Brown, I guess? That's the only name that's coming to me. Yeah, let's go ahead and lock that one in. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if Larry Brown ever coached the Rockets. Um, but uh, this is a, a guy who's an ESPN analyst who really, really hates flopping, and he talks about it all the time. Uh, it's Jeff Van Gundy. Oh, that's it is, is Jeff Van Gundy. So... Mm. If you've never seen pictures or a video of this, it is quite comical because he is yeah, not as big. He's, he's literally dangling as the guy from he the guy's is leg. Trying to stop. He is yeah. wrapped around his leg, yeah. being kicked around the court. All right. Question 10. Final question of the round is in history. Warren G. Harding is commonly ranked amongst the worst presidents in American history. And the biggest scandal during his administration involved the transfer of two important oil reserves from the Department of the Navy to the Department of the Interior, after which Interior Secretary Albert Fall proceeded to lease these oil reserves to private oil companies and made hundreds of thousands of dollars off these shady dealings. Mm. Named after one of the oil reserves involved, by what name is the scandal most commonly known? Neil, I think I got this one. Cool. Yeah, you can lock in if you want to let them talk. This is ABC's scandal, right? Yes. Uh, well, I thought it was an XYZ. <laughs> this is, uh, no, the XYZ or- wasn't a scandal. That was an affair. <laughs> Orange G doing some interesting regulating in this one. Yes. Uh, do you know this one? I don't know. This. I just wanted to make a Warren oh, G joke. Gotcha. Um, I believe this is Teapot Dome. Okay. Locked in. Yeah, that's my thought as, w- as well, Neil. You, you feel the same way? I trust you, so I feel the same way. <laughs> that means he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, then let's go ahead and lock that one in. All right, yes. The answer is the teapot dome scandal. I also would have taken the Elk Hill scandal. 
So the Teapot Dome Oil Reserve was in Wyoming, and then the Elk Hills and Buena Vista Hills Reserves were in California. All right. Well, that brings a conclusion to round one. Uh, very good for me and Jeff. Uh, team the Wildcats, apparently. Right? Is that correct? You are the team. You are the Wildcats. W-I-L-D. Oh. Wildcats. W- Wildcats. Crushing it. I don't okay. know how many times you've made this joke, but Matt, you got to get your head in the game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have 70 points, so it's firmly in the game. Uh Team Troy and Gabriella uh, got 40, so a little behind, but there's room to catch up. We're a little behind. We're not too sure on where we're each going to college, if it'll be together or apart. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's up in the air. Yeah. All right. So the swing round for this week will be probably music to Neil's ears and that it is a movie score audio swing round. Also, apparently to Troy's ears, or he's just happy he has Neil as a partner. (laughs) So what you're going... (laughs) (laughs) So... You guys are going to hear a 20 to 30 second clip of a piece of music instrumental from a film score. You just need to name the film. Note, of the 10 films, each film is listed in chronological order of its release, starting from the 1930s to the present day, with two films being from the current decade. There goes our lead. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) All right. One.
while everyone is going over their answers for the swing round, just wanted to remind everyone about our Patreon. If you are not a Patreon supporter, now is a great time to do that. We have posters at the United States Patreon level. We have uh, special choose-your-own-character boxes at the Intercontinental Champion level. And uh, all the way up to Universal Champion, you get a, a special loot crate that we uh, specifically curate for you. But uh, if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, you can do so at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Get some of those perks, get some bonus episodes, some more content, and uh, support the show, which we would very much appreciate. Yeah, we're planning on using that money to get sent to podcasting school so we can do this in one take. Yeah. So yeah. thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, it looks like all of our answers are locked in. So let's go back to Maddie. All right. So I think this pained our contestants uh, pain today. So I heard a lot of, <laughs> I heard a lot of, oh no, and I don't know. So mm -hmm. we'll see. Mm -hmm. All right. So for sound clip number one from the 30s, what did team Troy and Gabriella have? We went with Gone with the Wind. Mm -hmm. All right. And Wildcats? Uh, we also went with Gone with the Wind. Yay! Points! Right. Points hey. piece. It was Gone with the Wind. That is Tara's theme from yeah. Gone with the Wind. And we could skip the rest of the all questions, right. assuming we got them all right, and move on. <laughs> and that's just 50 points for each <laughs> yeah. team. And Okay. Easiest score right. ever. So, question, <laughs> question two. What did... We'll just keep going with Troy and Gabriella first. So what did you guys have? So to me, this one sounded kind of Western. And when I think of old Western scores, I think of Red River and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Neil kind of pointed me as The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly was a little bit too late for this, given that they were in chronological order. So we locked in with Red River. And we thought this was still in that 30s and 40s era and just said Casablanca. All right. So unfortunately, no correct answers there. So if you've heard the the instrument that was being played that is the zither and mm -hmm. if you think of one film that had nothing but zither music in it that is orson welles the third man oh. from 
from 1949 by mm. Anton Karras that are the main title of that. Gotcha. So, all right. Question three from the 50s. Trying Gabriella? Yeah, this one uh, we weren't too sure on. Um, we uh, were having a little bit of trouble here. So, uh, yeah, we just went with, uh, with uh, Rebecca. Wildcats? I don't know. We thought this sounded kind of like a monster movie. Uh, originally, I wrote Godzilla, but that's too early. And it has more of an iconic uh, song that I would have known. So we just said uh, Frankenstein. All right. Neil, if I asked you to name another Hitchcock movie from the 50s, what would you have said? Uh, I was going to say North by Northwest, but... Rear Window. The Birds. I was Rear Window, too. Probably the... Well, no, The Birds was 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know it's a Hitchcock so movie. It is... Vertigo. Uh, oh, that was the one I missed. Man. Okay, question four. Probably the one that everyone now has stuck in their, their heads. <laughs> Troy and Gabriella. Yeah, this one really, really gave us trouble. I know I've heard this one before. They've they've used it recently. They've used it, you know, all the time, different, you know, areas and whatnot. Um, and I could not think of anything. I knew it was, I think, a Western or an, at least an adventure movie. So uh, we locked in with The Magnificent Seven. Oh, Ooh, that might be it. That's a good guess. I think uh, that's it. We thought it was a 70s Western as well and said The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. All right. Yay, hey, Neil. It is mm. The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. No, good. Glad I got that one, Troy. You I pull, were... pulled it out of my ass. <laughs> you may have heard it recently because they remade The Magnificent Seven right. like two years ago, I think. Question five, Troy and Gabriella. We weren't sure on this one. We we knew it had a little bit of a, a Bells theme to it, kind of sounded horror movie-ish. Uh, very similar to Halloween, but not Halloween. Very similar to The Exorcist, but not. So I was between The Omen and Suspiria, and we went with Dario Argento's Suspiria. And Wildcats? Yeah, I originally wrote down The Omen, uh, but then I just thought it didn't sound right. It just kept coming back to me that it was The Exorcist, so we said The Exorcist. Yeah, Neil, you said Tubular bells this is called tubular bells and it is from the exorcist yeah. all right question six i was gonna say that's a great question um <laughs> so i guess this jumps the the chronological theme but um there's a new live action sonic the hedgehog coming out so this one kind of reminded me of a, a video game kind of mm-hmm. sci-fi alienish so we're gonna lock in with the new not yet released in Irish chronological <laughs> order. Live action on the Hedgehog. Oh. All right. And Wildcats? Uh, definitely had like a cool 80s vibe to it. Uh, I wrote down Tron, and it's not uh, cool. So I don't know. He said RoboCop. All right. You're, you're closer You're closer than you think. So you think 80s classic sci-fi. This is Vangelis and Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Mm. Yeah. As soon as he said, oh, damn. All right. Question seven. Troy and Gabriella, what'd you guys have? This one is definitely the Jurassic Park when they're coming over the giant waterfall into into Kauai and the Green Isle down in Hawaii. So, and uh, yeah, we said Jurassic Park. Classic. It's Jurassic Park. Maddie spared no expense on this one. All right, <laughs> I did. Question eight, Troy and Gabriella. Uh, this one, uh, we weren't too sure. I just knew that I had a weird pain in my neck that gravitated down the rest of my body and made me feel ill. So we went with Lord of the Rings. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had no idea. I thought of the classic movie <laughs> starring Hugh Jackman and who's the other one? I think Nicole Kidman. Uh, Australia. All right. So despite Neil's physical pain, yes, it is mm. Lord of the Rings, specifically Return of the King. Mm. I, I won't be picky. All right. Question nine. 
So Troy and I were going back and forth between John Wick and Mandy. Both had sort of an 80s nostalgic theme song to it. At first, I thought it was Mandy, but that would leave only this year or last year for the answer to number 10. So I'm going to leave it to Troy. Troy, you can pick John Wick or Mandy, and I'll, I'll trust you on that one. Um, I guess I'll have to go with the fact that I'm a big fan of dogs, so you might want to leave his alone. We're going to lock in with John Wick. Mm. Yeah, we thought this also had kind of like an 80s throwback feel, and we thought, how do you get back to the 80s? You need some kind of hot tub time machine. So <laughs> hot tub time machine. Oh, they're both such good answers. I'm sad they're I'm sad they're not right. Uh, so, what if I told you name a movie that was scored by Daft Punk? Uh, give me more clues. Oh, <laughs> oh you know? Yeah, it? no, it's it's uh, Tron Legacy. It is. Oh. It is Tron Legacy. Tron you were closer right. than you knew when you said '80s throwback. It yeah. is literally a sequel to an '80s movie. Hmm. So, yeah, this is from the Daft Punk score. And um, all right, question ten will end the pain. Um, I guess as a shout out to our, our previous answer, we we kind of felt a little bit of a tropical, a little bit of a kind of an 80s vibe with this one as well. And um, we also, again, locked in with the live action Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll be right when it's got to be somewhere on and here. And Wildcat. Uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> we also went with Sonic. No, I, I don't know. We didn't know this answer at all. So I said, just one of my favorite movies, Cabin Fever. I mean, kind of close with Sonic. There's animals in it. So this is The Suite from Zootopia uh, oh. by Michael Giacchino. After the swing round, uh, Team Wildcats bringing their score up to 85 in the lead and Troy and Gabriella just a little bit behind at 60. And it's anyone's game going into round two. Round two is aptly named as all of the questions in this round will either be dual category questions or the answers will be two or more answers. So you'll kind of see what I'm talking about as I go. So question one of the second round category is TV and government. <laughs> the Inspectors is a half hour CBS crime drama that began airing in 2015. It is unique in t two respects. First, it airs on Saturday mornings rather than in primetime. And second, it is the only television show on commercial television that is funded by an American government agency. What U.S. government agency bankrolls this show, The Inspectors? I think I know this one, Troy. Okay, so it's The Inspectors. I made a joke about the FDA, mm -hmm. but that's what they do. They, they do like food inspections. So maybe, like maybe jokingly, it's okay. the FDA. <laughs> We're locked in with FDA. So this one, uh, I, like I said, I was watching a Saturday morning. There was uh, a guy with his gun drawn for some reason. And um, anyway, uh, the inspector, I believe, uh, has to do with the United States Postal Service. Yeah. So similar to Neil, I was at the gym on a Saturday morning and happened to see the television turn to CBS. And I thought, what in the world is on the television? So I Googled it and I was like, this can't be real. Is it it a, is very real. Is it a cartoon or what is this? Is no, funded. No, it is live action. Oh my god! It is the United States Postal Service. So it's cops, specifically po post office workers. Specifically, the asset forfeiture and consumer fraud awareness section of the USPS. Oh, I oh. gotta know about that consumer fraud. Yeah. All right. Okay. Question two: Music and literature. The 1985 song "Broken Wings" by Mr. Mister was inspired by a 1912 book of the same name written by Khalil Gibran. This was, however, not the first hit song to be based on this relatively obscure Arabic novel. What 1968 song 
by one of the most iconic bands of all time was the first song to be inspired by this novel. We can lock in. Yeah, I mean, thinking of most iconic bands of all time, I think you know Beatles or Aerosmith or something along those lines. 68 would make sense for the Beatles or Rolling Stones. I just don't know what um, song would be have to do with Broken Wings. I, I guess let's just lock in with Fly Like an Eagle, even though it's wrong. Yeah, I was just so... Um, I was thinking a uh, Arabic book. Uh, I thought possibly this is based off Aladdin and the 1968 song Magic Carpet Ride made mm-hmm. sense to me by Steppenwolf. Uh, so we said Magic Carpet Ride. So the 1985 song goes, take these broken wings and, and learn, learn to, to fly, fly again. again. Learn to live so free. If you were to listen to a song from the Beatles, mm. it says... Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. This is Blackbird by wow. the Beatles. All right. So question three in the second round. Science and current events. This weather phenomenon involves the rapid deepening of barometric pressure at least 24 millibars over 24 hours that leads to an explosive strengthening of a storm occurring when a cold air mass collides with a warm air mass. This occurrence has found itself in the public lexicon recently, as several of these storms hit the Rockies and Plains in March and April, leading to extreme rain and snowfall and hurricane-forced winds. I mean, I got nothing better. Okay, we're locked in. I'm not a meteorologist. Yeah. I was going to say Tom's going, I, I, but I couldn't remember Because I all of a sudden started hearing this all over, so maybe it's right. We're locked in. Do you have anything, Troy? I, I don't know this one. Yeah, I mean, so... She kind of implied that it was a, a more recent phenomenon, a more recent addition to the lexicon. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thought is bomb cyclone. Oh, that's but a good one too. Polar vortex is also kind of in my head. Yeah. But also polar vortex, one. she kind of mentioned a lot about the pressure drop. I mean, she said like what, 24 millibars per over 24 hours. Yep. That that pushes me towards bomb cyclone more than polar vortex because I just think of that as just really really cold. Yeah, I so. I I thought of polar vortex as well, but it didn't make me think of of the pressure, like you said. So I didn't even think of bomb cyclone, but uh, I can hear Wolf Blitzer in my ear saying it. So I'm good to go with that if you are. Yeah, I'm good with that. Cool. We're locking with that. Yeah, bomb cyclone sounds good. Um, I just was based on what we've had here quite a bit uh, in the last few years. Uh, So we said polar vortex. All right. It is this year's polar vortex. It is the bomb cyclone. Ah, nice. Nice job, Troy. All right. Question four, video games and geography. In everyone's favorite middle school computer game, The Oregon Trail, players attempted to traverse the uncharted territory of the West without dying of dysentery or drowning while fording the river. While Willamette Valley, Oregon was the final destination, what patriotically named town did all players begin their journey from? This real-life town is a satellite city of Kansas City, Missouri, and has a current population of over 100,000 people. Matt and I are going to lock in before we get dysentery. Is that right? Oh, man. I just was reading a book on the Oregon Trail, um, the game. Neil's currently attempting to ford the river. Yeah. I'm not sure, Troy. Were you the banker, Neil? Because if you're not, you were probably screwed. Yeah. I went and shot 1,500 pounds of oxen and could only carry 100 pounds back. But then it broke your axle, so I wasn't very smart. We're not helpful. (laughs) And then then the meat went rancid. Don't forget that part, too. (laughs) I know I got bit by a rattlesnake. Yeah. (laughs) Um, a snake in my boot. Patriotic town. The first thing that popped into my mind was like Fort Independence, but 
I guess that's mostly going off of the patriotic clue more than anything else. Oh, yeah. Isn't there an Independence, Missouri or something? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I'm okay with just independence. Yeah, but I mean, as long as we're, as long as we're going to steal the Declaration um, then <laughs> of independence, yeah, I'm good with that. I really hate when Neil stumbles back ass words into a correct answer because uh, Matt and I pretty quickly locked in. This is Independence, Missouri. Shout out to some distant cousins I have living in Independence, Missouri. Hey, that so, was all. That was all oh, Troy. Good job, you guys. Yeah, thank you. That was all Troy. <laughs> all right. Question five. So this is what I'm stealing something from AJ Mass of uh, Beat My Guest fame, and this is a triple mashup. So it is sports, music, and literature. So, and I, I will apologize in advance for this question and answer. Combine the name of the Montreal Canadian who was the first to score 50 goals in one season, the first to reach 500 career goals, and had the award for the NHL's leading regular season goal scorer named after him. So combine that individual with the group who sang 1974's You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. And you'll get this author who wrote the novels The Running Man, Thinner, and The Long Walk. Note, you'll have to horribly butcher one of the names to make this work i'm really sorry to all hockey fans and french-speaking individuals who are listening i will also adjust that to say the pseudonym yeah of the, the author we're not gonna get it no i we're locked in yeah uh well the author's rich is stephen king so richard bachman uh, i think the band is bachman turner overdrive you're just looking for the name of the pseudonym is that the only thing i'm looking for yeah i thought it was a before and after Oh, is it? Uh, I thought it was it's the hockey player. Plus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I don't know. That. So it's, it's so it's Richard Bachman Turner Overdrive. I'm just trying to think of who the hockey player is. Oh, I know what it is. How about uh, Luke? Okay, let's go with that. Yeah. All right, we're locked in with Luke Ricard Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. We don't we don't have an answer, so I'm just gonna say well, Luke, Luke Picard Turner Overdrive. I was like, I think we got there, but after the fact. Yeah. So, so we're wrong. Continue. <laughs> So, yes, the author is Richard Bachman. The artist is Bachman Turner Overdrive. The Montreal Canadien is Maurice Rocket Richard. Oh, Maurice. Oh. For Rocket Rocket Richard Bachman mm. Turner Overdrive. Well, oh, okay. Only some people call him Maurice. <laughs> right. So, question six. So, this is, we're transitioning to the multiple answer portion of this round. So, question six is in movies. Actor Farley Granger may not be a household name today, but he is well known to Hitchcock fans for appearing in two of the director's films. First, in 1948, Granger played college graduate Philip Morgan, who regrets helping his roommate murder one of their former classmates. Then, three years later, he played Guy Haynes, a professional tennis player who was blackmailed into committing a murder and making a great case why you should never talk to anyone while taking public transportation. Name these two films. Uh, yeah, we can lock in, Troy, if you want to let them oh, good. talk. What's this one? One of them's about a train heist? Is that, is that what I heard? Um, uh, taking of Pelham 123. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, what else are we going to say? Bridge over the River Kwai. Ooh, lean. Yeah. Uh, so the 48 film uh, is the one that uh, was a simulated one take, uh, which was Rope. And then the train one is Strangers on a Train. Mm. Yep. So 1948, Rope. And 1951, Strangers on a Train. Well done. Question seven. 
mythology. In Greek mythology, this musically talented son of Apollo travels to the underworld to rescue his wife, who died on their wedding day. This musician charmed Hades and his wife Persephone and was permitted to take his wife back to the world of the living with the condition he walk in front of her and not look back at her until they reached the upper world. However, the man turned to look at his wife just before reaching the threshold, sending her back to the underworld forever. For 10 points, name either of these two mythical figures, and for five bonus points, name them both. Oh, this is going to kill me because Colleen directed a play was all about Greek mythology, and I think this was in here, and I know the story. We're going to lock in with a guess. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you just want to go Pandora and... Um, I was I was thinking, like, a musical instrument. Can we think of what musical instrument you played? I know they often played that little harp thing. It was like, what, the lyre? A recorder. You think that's potentially named after him? No, I like his instrument angle. Let's go Pandora and mandolin upright bass okay jeff say what we said uh i said pan and Hmm. matt said artemis so we went pan and artemis all right no points i'm afraid (laughs) though musical instrument you guys are going in the right direction so if you mention a greek god of music nine times out of ten you're talking about orpheus oh so and eurydice and eurydice is his wife yeah so this was uh, inspired because there is currently on Broadway and tomorrow will probably be announced nominated for several Tonys, the musical mm. Hades Town, which uh, is entirely based on this Greek myth mm, of gotcha. Orpheus nice. and Eurydice and Persephone. I always thought that John Stamos was the Greek god of music. Is that wrong? He's the god of beauty. Question eight. Literature. The 1990 novel Good Omens was written by which two British fantasy authors? One is most well-known for his Discworld series, while the other is famous for multiple works, including Coraline, The Graveyard Book, and American Gods. Name both authors. Oh, well, I know the second one. What's a good British last name? Beckham. Joan. Ooh, Beckham. (laughs) Yes, we're in. Got it. Are we in? Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got the second half. Okay, fine. We're in. I don't care. Uh, I'm almost there, Troy. I mean, do you have any any thoughts? No. I'm, what That's are you thinking on the on the second half? I'm... Uh, the second one is Neil Gaiman, the author. Uh, man, the author. Um, Based on the novel by he was um, he was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's um, mm. not too long ago. Oh, I know it then. Um, uh, Terry Pratchett, Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman. All right, and I knew it was Neil okay. Gaiman. Uh, for the second half, and what did you think for the first half, Matt? Oh, I just thought of the only British person's name I could think of at the time and said Beckham. It is Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Good job, wow. Troy and Gabriella. So, nice poll. Shout out to Neil. That's my yeah, last poll yeah. of the game, though. <laughs> so, question nine. Religion. Oh, God. Oh, no. Ooh, fun. Walk into any Catholic church, and you're bound to see symbolic representations of the four evangelists or the four writers of the synoptic gospels yep. matthew mark luke and john I knew that crap. name name at least two of the four symbols representing matthew mark luke and john all of which are living creatures hint all of them are depicted with having wings although only one of the symbols is ordinarily winged 
So give me two out of the four. You don't have to match them up. Oh, that makes sense because that would be uh, a body wash. Okay. <laughs> We're locked We're gonna in. We're going to lock in. Um, my first thoughts are, I know fish is a very mm. strong um, yeah. icon within the within the church as well as both sheep. And then if one of them has to be a winged creature, I mean – um, what did what did Noah release off the ark to pull back the olive branch? Probably a dove, right? Yeah, I would imagine it's a dove. I mean, that, I, do yeah. you think that's the one winged? We both said dove. I don't know how you feel about fish or sheep. Fish makes sense to me because it was a food that would have been readily available, back, you know, at that time period. You want to go ahead and lock in with dove, and then either I don't know. Let's go with fish. Okay, fish and dove. Uh, we also said dove, and then we went with lamb. All right. No points, I'm afraid. So Matthew is depicted by a winged man or an angel. Mark is depicted by a winged lion. Mm. Luke is depicted as a winged ox or bull. And John is represented by an eagle. Eagle. Oh, I was going to say eagle. I thought it was like way too American Yeah. for that, you know? Final question question yay <laughs> question 10 ending on more sports since we started with a notre dame related question why don't we end with one as well if you've ever had the pleasure of going to a football game at notre dame stadium you may have noticed that five of the six gates leading into the stadium are named for former head coaches who led the team to at least one of their 11 national championships Name three of these five head coaches. I couldn't tell you what their coach's name is now. I think I know it, but so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take off my jersey and put it on your desk because I should no longer play for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we got Lou Holtz, Charlie Wise, and Brian Kelly. All right. Well, we also had Lou Holtz, and then uh, we said uh, Rudy. We thought maybe after he walked on, he took a coaching role, and Mm -hmm. then we said the hunchback. That's that's where, that's where we're at. That's where we're at with this game, also. Well, you got one. Yeah. Lou Holtz. Yay. It's because he's on Go TV Lou. every week. We get to see all him right. all the time. You mentioned Rudy, but in the film Rudy, the coaches featured are Dan Devine, who coached there from 1975 to 1980, and Ara Parsegian, who coached mm. there from 1964 to 1974. That's the name I know. The other ones you were missing were Frank Leahy, who's probably the least well-known, but did have the most championships with four, coaching from 41 to 43 and then 46 to 53. The one that any Notre Dame fan would be ashamed that you miss was the Gipper himself, Newt Rockney. Mm. Oh, that's, oh what, that's the one. Win, Win one, one for, for the, the Gipper. Win one for the Gipper. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is Newt Rockney. Frank Leahy, Ara Parsegian, Dan Devine, and Lou Holtz. All right. After round two, uh, we have completely lost our lead. Uh, we are down now, 95 to 110. Uh, Wildcats are down, but not out. And we're looking forward to this final round. All right. So category one for the final round, Victor Victorian. Category two, overcoming obstacles. Category three, but WebMD says I'm dying. Category four, entertaining coincidences. And category five, old-timey scandals. All right. All the wagers are locked in, so take it away, Maddie. All right. Question one with the category Victor Victorian. 
The novels Silas Marner and Middlemarch are two well-known 19th century British novels written by Mary Ann Evans. However, that is not the name she is best known by. What masculine pen name did Evans publish her works under? Question two. Category Overcoming Obstacles. As a young girl, this African-American athlete's left leg and foot were severely weakened due to polio, and she had to wear a leg brace as a result. However, she was able to overcome her disability, and, I, and at age 16, she won bronze as a member of the 4x100-meter relay team at the 1956 Olympics. Four years later, she won three gold medals as a sprinter at the 1960 Olympics and became known as the fastest woman on Earth. Who was this remarkable woman? Mm -hmm. All right. Question three. Category. But WebMD says I'm dying. If you have Jill Bear syndrome, you might find that when you get stressed or sick, the whites of your eyes and your skin may be a shade or two more yellow than usual. This is due to the inability of which organ to transform bilirubin into a more soluble form that can be more easily excreted from the body. Question four. Category. Entertaining coincidences. While many award-winning musicals have become award-winning films, and vice versa, there is so far only one instance where a Broadway musical won the Tony Award for Best New Musical, and an unrelated film with the same name won the Academy Award for Best Picture. What is the shared name of this relatively obscure musical and this well-known non-musical film? Hint. Thing. 1990s. Question 5. Category Old Tiny Scandals. This 19th century painter is probably most famous for the portrait of Madame X, a depiction of a young woman wearing a black dress with a low-cut neckline. While not particularly risque by today's standards, it caused such a scandal that the artist was forced to leave Paris and return to London to escape the backlash. Who is this American portrait painter who also painted Theodore Roosevelt's official White House portrait? Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— we answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah, the show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Wheel! 
Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right. All right. Well, it looks like uh, all of our answers are locked in. So let's throw it back to Maddie to recap the questions and uh, see what we said. So question one of the final was in the category Victor Victorian. And the question was, the novels Silas Marner and Middlemarch are two well-known 19th century British novels written by Marianne Evans. However, that is not the name she is best known by. What masculine pen name did Evans publish her works under? All right, Troy and Gabriella, what did you say? I'm, I'm, my first thought goes to somebody like O'Henry. I didn't immediately know the author's full name to that one, so I guess we locked in with O'Henry. And we wagered uh, an Oakland five all the way oh. down for this final round. Yeah, so we wagered 10 on this one. I, I remember reading um, The Mill on the Floss, and I remember that was by George Eliot, and I think she may have also written the other ones, so we said George Eliot. All right, and the Wildcats will get their 10 points. It is George Eliot. All right. Oh, man. The mill and the floss. <laughs> That's what my dentist gave me. Yeah. Those are my Fortnite dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question two, category overcoming obstacles. As a young girl, this African-American athlete's left leg and foot were severely weakened due to polio, and she had to wear a leg brace as a result. However, she was able to overcome her disability, and at age 16, she won bronze as a member of the 4x100-meter relay team at the 1956 Olympics. Four years later, she won three gold medals as a sprinter at the 1960 Olympics and became known as the fastest woman on Earth. Who was this remarkable woman? All right, Team Wildcats, what did you guys have? Um, yeah, so we wagered 10 on this one. Uh, I first wrote down Jackie Joyner-Kersey, but that statement was way too late. Um, so, uh, we ended up going with Wilma Rudolph. I think what Matt just described was exactly what, what we said. We threw out both, uh, Jackie Joyner, but we also couldn't, couldn't for some reason remember the third name. And then we also crossed that one out because it was too late and went with Wilma Rudolph. And I'm glad you did. Wilma Rudolph is the correct answer. All right. Where, where were these questions during the last round? Question three category, but WebMD says I'm dying. If you have Gilbert syndrome, you might find that when you get stressed or sick, the whites of your eyes and your skin may be a shade or two more yellow than usual. This is due to the inability of which organ to transform bilirubin into a more soluble form that can be more easily excreted by the body. All right, team Troy and Gabriella, what did you guys say? So when you tell me turning yellow, I think of jaundice and then Hugh Laurie yelling at somebody as Dr. House that they need a new liver. Uh, yeah, we, we agree. I, I thought this was in the liver for 10 points on the line. All right. And you're both correct. It is the liver. All right. Question four, category, entertaining coincidences. While many award-winning musicals have become award-winning films and vice versa, there is, so far, only one instance where a Broadway musical won the Tony Award for Best New Musical and an unrelated film with the same name won the Academy Award for Best Picture. What is the shared name of this relatively obscure musical and this well-known non-musical film? Hint, think 1990s. Uh, we wager 10 on this one. Uh, weren't sure we were thinking of 90s best picture uh, movies, and Jeff actually knew quite a few of them. 
Thank uh, you, Neil. But we settled in on what we thought would be a really fun musical and said Titanic. All right. And Team Troy and Gabriella? I knew of a musical. I wasn't sure if it won the Tony, but I knew it was a musical and people were singing as they were dying. And that was Titanic. So we went with Titanic. And the answer is Titanic. All right. So a little bit of, little bit of flavor text. Titanic the musical premiered in April of 1997. Wow. And then won the 1997 Tony for Best Musical, while the film Titanic, completely unrelated, premiered in December of 1997, and then won the 1998 Oscar. Mm. So, it's kind of weird coincidences all around. All right, and final question of the game. Question five, category, old-timey scandals. This 19th century painter is probably most famous for the portrait of Madame X, a depiction of a young woman wearing a black dress with a low-cut neckline. While not particularly risque by today's standards, it caused such a scandal that the artist was forced to leave Paris and return to London to escape the backlash. Who is this American portrait artist who also painted Theodore Roosevelt's official White House portrait? All right, team Troy and Gabriella, what did you guys say? We talked about it a little bit, and Troy um, had a great line of thought, I thought. And um, he said, you know, maybe it's someone who a museum was named after because uh, we didn't really know. And we were trying to go through different museums, Guggenheim, um, et cetera. And uh, he said, well, maybe, could it be in London? And I said, well, there's the Tate Modern in London, so maybe the last person's name is Tate. Um, could be completely wrong, but when I heard Tate, I, I think initially I thought of Catherine Tate, the actress. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. So we went with we went with Tate. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, All right, and Wildcats. Yeah, we wagered ten. Uh, we were thinking about that portrait of Theodore Roosevelt. I think he's out in the courtyard. We got a nice big blue sky. We got some nice happy trees. Uh, we're thinking that this is done by Bob Ross. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna I would. I would. I would love to see the portrait of Madame X painted by Bob Ross. It would have much, many more happy trees than it does. So this is probably one of the more famous American artists. This is John Singer Sargent. Mm. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Well, that concludes our game. And due to some aggressive, well, in comparison, aggressive betting, uh, <laughs> Team Wildcats ekes out the victory 125 to 115. Oh. We are today's cream of the crop. I am the cream. Uh, we were so close. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. That was a close game. That was really close. We almost got a runoff, and we don't have any questions for that. That would have been <laughs> that would have been rough. Yeah, we, we came close, Troy. I felt really good. I mean, I think I know we were trying to go conservative there. I pushed us that way um, just because we weren't sure, but I, I felt like we did pretty good in the final round. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, well, uh, you know, you're, I'm always here to be a, a teammate of yours. It was a, a pleasure playing with you. Uh, anyone you'd like to give a shout-out to, perhaps your team that you play with uh, every week or, or anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can shout it out to the uh, non-essential government employees or those GD millennials or whatever our team name is going to be this week. And um, if you're ever in Fort Worth, come on down to Flying Saucer. It's a great place. Lots of beers on tap every Tuesday night and you'll uh, you'll see us get destroyed by a few teams that routinely get perfect scores the entire <laughs> night. Well, I hope they're not uh, looking at their phones. It, it's possible. <laughs> just throw that out there. Cons yeah. Conspiracy Neil. Maybe. I'm just calling them out right now. They're, they're cheaters. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're always welcome here, Troy, uh, if you'd like to play with us. And uh, it was a pleasure playing with you today. All right. We also would be remiss not to thank Maddie. Thank you for a wonderful game. Uh, like I said, it's a great game as long as I win. So I do appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, 
So yeah, a lot of great questions kind of all over the place. So uh, even if we didn't get it wrong, you know, we learned something today. So yeah, all over the place in a good way. Mm-hmm. That pretty much describes my personality. So I'll take it. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for letting me have the opportunity to host. It's the first time I've ever, you know, written a game of questions and hosted. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun and I don't really get out to play trivia much anymore. So I appreciate any opportunity to do so. We have a few lawyers who've been on the show who are official triviality counsels, but as soon as you get that MD name, you'll be an official triviality doctor. Oh my gosh. House calls. House calls. Just don't <laughs> let, don't let, let Ken know. show you any sort of mole. You don't want to oh, see that. Oh, man. I think, All right, yeah, so. I think that's where he's going after after his uh, amuse-bouche. He's getting that looked at. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, so thank you again uh, for hosting. Thank you, Troy, for being here. Uh, thank you for Jeff and Neil and this horrible outro. My name is Matt, and this was Triviality. I got it this time. I got it. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, well, <laughs> Matt... <laughs> Sorry, hold on. I'm good. I'm good. All right, here we go. Well, I got this it. needs to be the outro. I got it. Hold on. This, this can be Patreon exclusive content. Let's right. try to read this stupid promo.